Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today is February 19th, Sunday of 2023. I'm coming to you early with my podcast due to the fact that I have surgery this week, uh, left hip replacement on Tuesday. And my son gets in today and I still have a lot to do to get ready um, for everything uh, that, while I'm going to be recovering. So uh, today's topic is going to be about my mentors and the tips that I picked up over the years and who resonated with me. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I have several questions to answer as well. So far in the group, uh, we only have six personal bests for the group. So I want to talk to you about that as well. Um, a lot of times what happens is you set these really big expectations and you're not appreciating your small wins. Um, so I want to also tell you this. When you're trying to build your confidence, find um, personal best in the little things. Because sometimes it's good to be a big fish in a small pond. That definitely will build your confidence. And other times it's great to be a small fish in a big pond. Because that tests, tests your competitiveness and puts you under more uh, pressure and, and you maybe rise to the occasion of your level of competition. But also keep in mind that when you're going to small jackpots versus big super shows, a 1D horse can quickly become 2D, 2D can become 3D, etc. You'll lose a half a second a lot of times, even with your best run because of sure numbers that are there and also more uh, top 1D horses. So just keep that in mind, but I would love to see more personal best. So make sure you're setting yourself uh, one goal at a time and 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 a, a realistic expectations. Um, you know, that way you're enjoying the process of small wins and those will lead to those big wins. And again, before we get started, I want to mention the challenges, um, which ties into what I was just talking about. For every single run you make or ride, just focus on one thing you want to improve on, and that can be your personal best. Um, and be sure to tell me about it so I can put you in the drawing for um, each month. And uh, you can win a free month in the group and a variety of other things as well. Each is about a $15 value. Um, the skill challenge this month is hind end control. I've had some videos I've been putting in the group the past two, three weeks of like the hip in drill, all lefts, all rights with transitions, the quarter um, squares with hind end quarter turns. Um, this week I'll be posting some videos on 360s and loose rein woe. All of those things um, will improve uh, backing circles, backing straight lines. All of those things will improve your hip control on your horse. So keep that in mind and watch for that and keep working on your hind end challenge for this month. Um, in March, because I'll be down recovering, I won't be able to do clinics or a lot of lessons until, you know, that month uh, month before I see the doctor again. Um, I'll be doing a lot of, that'll give me more time for the group, obviously, for critiquing videos. But also, it'll give me more time to start posting uh, videos and photos weekly for us to analyze and point out, you know, uh, different techniques and styles pictures and show you you know things I like about a photo or a video and for you to see what I see through my eyes and hopefully that'll be a good study um, and learning month for y'all and that'll be part of March challenges 
studying photos and videos um, and I'll share some stories from over the year with different techniques and trainers and such. So hopefully you'll find that interesting and fun. Um, I wanted to mention how I think virtual coaching can be so advantageous, especially for advanced riders and horses and adults and some youth, if they're advanced enough youth and they can pick up what I'm saying from the virtual coaching uh, video reviews. Now, people who I think should benefit more from one-on-one -on -one lessons or in-person clinics are very young riders, youth riders, or very novice riders because I think they need the more one-on-one -on -one in-person instruction. So, because um, sometimes I literally have to touch someone's hand or leg and show them exactly, you know, what needs to be done and, and they can't really understand it from a video as much as you have to literally, um, you know, touch their hands and, and legs and let them feel what they're supposed to be feeling or point exactly where they should be looking, that kind of thing, or help them with their body position. So, so I want you to keep that in mind. Um, and those of you that are very novice, um, you definitely should be looking at one-on-one -on -one lessons or the very young youth riders as well. Uh, and weekly is really, really important because if you just go monthly, you'll fall behind or forget and you won't make any uh, advancement. So keep that in mind wherever you are and wherever you can take lessons. Definitely take it behind someone who you resonate with and who you would ride similar to and would want to ride behind. Um, you know, if it's someone who's not, not your principles or theories, definitely don't go that route. So let's see here what else. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is when I do a video, how um, they're really beneficial for you guys because I'm able to zoom in and put them in slow motion. So not only that, but you also get my experience in my eyes because I can pick up a lot of little details that maybe you don't even realize happens in a run. So make sure you are sending me your videos when you're not sure. Even when you are sure and you are um, wanting to just shave off a tenth or two, it never hurts to have a second opinion of what you think's going on out there. Um, and I'll, of course, the more detail you give me, the better. So before I get into the topic, let's go ahead and go through the questions. One question said, why would you ride in a long shank port bit, um, like a correction bit or a pretzel bit? Um, so personally, if someone, if I was going to put someone in a port bit with a long shank, I'm going to be doing it for three or four reasons. One reason might be control or rate. If it's a horse that's really, you know, pushy or free running and I wanted to get a little bit more rate or control, I might use that uh, long shank port bit. Or if I have one, I want to stiffen up because they're over bendy or one that I want to get more collection through the, the pole and the body. So those would be my four main reasons for that bit. In my 30 year career, I've probably had three training horses I ever put in one of those because I'm one of those people. I want a horse super, super broke off my body and I don't go faster than they're ready for. So I don't generally need to go to a port bit. The ones that I did put in port bits usually came in and I was trying to fix problems um, because they were already patterned with lacking foundation and such. So the next question was, um, let's see. Uh, Facebook's making me feel like I have to compare myself to everyone and I'm not sure if I want to stay on Facebook. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. You know, um, I feel like you don't need to like, you could go like into my group where you're just going to see inspiring messages, 
uh, video reviews for educational purposes. You don't have to scroll up and down the news feed and read all the negativity out there. I don't. That's why I miss most people's posts because I rarely will scroll the news feed if I just happen to pop onto Facebook waiting for a video to download and see a couple posts. I might comment or watch something, but I rarely uh, scroll because you know, it can be uh, negative, especially, you know, some people uh, like that kind of stuff. So, so definitely stay away from it. My answer to that would be God wants us to be happy and grateful and he wants us to be happy for ourselves, but also happy for others. So if you can um, be happy for other people in their successes, that's awesome. Um, but oftentimes people feel left out or they feel less than. They feel sad, they feel depressed or anxious, and those are all feelings that people get. Um, you know, you don't see necessarily, you know, animals acting that way or things like that. It's just something where we complicate a lot of stuff. So if it helps you to stay in your little world and you're only competing against you, you versus you, that's perfect. Um, you know, and just know that you your sensitivity to things and just go onto the areas where you find like a positive group or positive podcast, things like that. Okay, so the next question is, this is more of a comment to everybody. I'm really proud of a lot of you are having really good mindset shifts um, with some of the members in the group. Uh, some of you are, even, even if you're making a mistake, you're not mad at yourself. Like before, some of you had been in the group for, you know, nine months, 10 months, uh, longer you were like really discouraged ready to quit or give up or get rid of the horse or something months and months ago but now you're very determined and excited and and you know what mistakes you're making and you know how to fix them and you know your habits are much better in slow work and now you just know you got to get them in competition and I love that mindset shift um, I just want to remind everyone to enjoy the process and when I say that a lot but what does that mean it means to embrace the hard parts as that's how you learn, getting out of your comfort zone, uh, getting new muscle memory, replacing old habits with new habits, um, or you're going to be winning, and, and then you're going to be winning more consistently once you're able to do all of that. So that's just something I wanted to say. Um, but remember, bad training sessions, this is another question, the next question, what do we do when bad training sessions happen? And those things are going to happen. You're going to go out there and you're going to have this game plan that today my horse and I are going to uh, you know, work a perfect D pattern. And then all of a sudden they're acting like an idiot. You can't even get them to face flex or move off your leg. Um, so it's brick by brick. Some days you have a, a plan for the day and you just have to change it. And um, maybe that day you're just going to be focusing on face flexing or shoulder control or loose rein bow or perfect slow circles. You know, um, you know, it just, your complicated advanced maneuvers you were going to do that day you may have to go back to basics. And you just have to build off of it the next day and the next day. And just remember, Rome's not built in a day. It's brick by brick. And just um, try not to get discouraged because that's horse training. Sometimes horses are amazing and you're done in 30 minutes. Other times they're not being good and you work at an hour and a half to make any progress. But try not to lose your temper and take away that trust that you've built in your horse. Um, you know, the best thing to do is slow down or quit on a try. Make it a more simple request. Um, or move on to something else that's a little less challenging. So keep those things in mind when you're training horses. Um, personal best. Um, 
So again, if you haven't had a personal best in a while, my recommendations um, is to slow down and break things down into smaller steps. Um, you know, that, that is the biggest thing. Um, remember that, I guess that goes back to the, my opening statements. Um, the best way to create habits, um, new habits, there's four things that you need to remember. Um, sometimes when we're going to do something and we're not able to get to that next level to get to your next personal best, it's because number one, something has cued you or triggered you to, uh, go back to that old habit. And then secondly, you, rec you kind of crave it. Um, and third, you have a response and fourth, there's a reward. So sometimes when we're trying to do something, an old, a new way, the old way comes back because that's your comfort zone. And if it got, got you away with it and it worked a little bit, it's still not great. It's not consistent, but you were rewarded by doing it. You just keep doing it. So, so keep that in mind when you're trying to form new habits, watch out for triggers, you know, whether it's anxiety or stress or pressure, um, self-induced pressure, um, you know, maybe you watch your emotions if you're craving to win and you start to want to override. Um, you know, watch your response to how your emotions are. If you're go or no go, if you need to stop and um, get yourself back in the right mindset. And um, and then fourth, reward yourself for those smaller steps instead of, you know, trying to like, oh, today I have to win the 1D. Instead, you know, today I'm going to ride to my spots and have pretty turns you know, or something like that, you know, keep it a little bit more realistic instead of a uh, high pressure on yourself. Because a lot of times when we expect a lot or put hard goals on ourselves, we just get really stiff and anxious and we don't ride as well. Okay. So, um, the next question was, how long do you think it takes for new habits? Um, in my experience, in my personal experience for, as a trainer for 30 years, um, I see it usually takes about two months for people to really get their brain around it. Um, and then once they get their mental image around it, it can take one to two years to physically change under pressure, not necessarily your slow work and your slow work could be just a few months, but under pressure consistently, it can be a year or so. So, um, if you were to Google, um, psychologists, um, there's several college psychologists. The one is the, um, Dr. Lally's study out of the College of London, um, and they state minimum of 66 uh, ride, or 66 days for something new that can go to 254. So a lot of new habits do take, you know, we're talking about, you know, two months to two years, depending on how, how ingrained it is and how difficult it is and all that. So, so I think you have to keep like four things again in mind um, is number one, is your goal realistic? Um, set that goal, you know, set the, set a goal for yourself. Number two, how are you going to get to the details? You know, go to details on how you plan to do that. Um, get to that goal. And then three, be flexible because some days aren't going to go well. And then four, keep it fun because if you're not having fun, you're not going to keep doing it. So, so set a goal, set some details of how you're going to, um, get there, be flexible and know that you're going to have good and bad days. And then just try to keep it fun, fun for you and your horse. Um, and then I guess the fifth thing I would add to that is having support, like a coach that believes in you or is positive or can help you 
see things that you need to work on next to get to that next step, all of that. So let's see here. The next question. Um, do, 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 I'm addicted to being perfect and it causes me anxiety. Um, a lot of my A-type personalities, there's a lot of you in the group, a lot of them are like doctors and vets and lawyers and nurses and and it, it is your personality to be a perfectionist and um, it can cause you a lot of anxiety. So um, what I would suggest for that um, is, I know it's hard, it's not going to be easy for you, but by setting those unrealistic expectations on yourself, you are comparing yourself to others you're um, really hard on yourself. Um, you you put such a high goal that you have to achieve and you, you feel like you just aren't working hard enough. So you're always pushing yourself harder and it leads you to uh, burnout um, and things like that. So for me, I think it's important. I'm more of a artsy type personality. I'm more of a energy person and I feel like finding balance is key you know, while when I was competing, I was competitive, I wanted to win, but I'm also more concerned with where my horse and I are with our bond and our connection and our growth. And that always came first to me. So, um, so find the balance, find one thing to improve on and, and enjoy that. Um, and just remember to, to love it, have fun with it and your horse. And, and I know you've got to let go of that a little bit. Martha Josie used to say, uh, perfect practice um, leads to, you know, better in competition, which she's right, but don't try to be perfect in competition because I can tell you in all the years of competing and most of the, my friends that were high level, you can count on one hand at the end of the year, your perfect runs, you know, you go to 40, 40 events and you could count five, maybe that you were 100% pleased with. So perfection in competition is rare. But there's no reason why you can't try to be perfect in slow work because that's what's going to lead to more consistency when you go fast. So, all right, let me see how many more questions I have and then I'll get right into our topic. Um, okay, the vet says my horse has arthritis and she's only 10 and it's in her hocks. One's worse than the other. Will it be okay to compete once a month in barrels or poles on her? Um, and yes, I absolutely think so. Work closely with your vet. Sometimes um, fusing of hawks, uh, injecting them once a year is enough. Um, and what I would do is I'd set up a routine or schedule during the week where I wouldn't do a lot of circles or, or a lot of loping drills and things. I would mostly do straight work out in the pasture or the arena. I just walk a lot of straight lines or long trot because that'll keep your horse fit. Arthritis is one of those things when you have osteoarthritis, the more walking, the better, just like a horse with navicular or something, the better, you don't want to stall those horses. You want them moving. So the more they walk, the better, but you don't want them running and doing circles and crazy stuff. So, so your schedule might have once a week where you lope one drill, but mainly you only walk or trot maybe the barrels once a week just to show them. Um, but then, uh, you know, like I said, do mainly walking and long trotting straight lines. And then maybe have your vet check your horse every six months to make sure that once a year is enough. Um, and then there's other things you can do in addition to just the injections once a year. You could do some oral supplements. You could do stretching. Um, you could do, you know, different things that are good for anti-inflammatories, turmeric. Um, you know, there's a lot of natural things out there you could try as well and see if any of that will help your horse. 
let's see here. <laughs> um, there's always legends or Adequan as well that, that, that would go in the muscle or the vein versus the joint. Um, those are things you could consider. Um, the other one, the Pentasi, um, Pentacin, am I saying that right? Pentacin, sorry, I said that wrong. But um, let's see here. Then um, uh, I would say that you wanted to know if barrels was harder or poles was harder. I honestly think poles might be harder than barrels just because barrels you only have to turn three times. Uh, and it's, you know, a shorter period of time, usually 14 to 16, 17 seconds, usually, where um, poles, you have to weave a lot and you have three turns as well. And it's more, you know, 20, 21 on seconds or more. But but I guess you just have to play it by ear um, and just talk to your vet and work it out with your vet. So, OK, so let's see. That's all my questions. So I'm going to go to my topic for today. And uh, my topic is mentors um, that I've had or teachers over the last 30 years um, and what I learned from them. I think it's beneficial if you go to any lesson clinic, buy a book, watch a video. If you just pick up one or two tips, it's well worth it because it's inspiring you. It's lighting a light bulb moment for you. It's, it's making you put the pieces together. And sometimes people will come to you at a certain time and they don't understand your whole program because... They're in the beginning stages of their horsemanship. And that's why I'll have clients who will come to me for 10 years of clinics or lessons or be in the virtual group for years because they're continuing their horsemanship and they're always getting to the next level. And you often only retain 10 to 20% of whatever it is you're learning. So the more you do it, the more you're going to start to retain. And they there are ways to retain more like writing things down, what you know, having a video to refer to, photos, all of that can help you up those chances to 40, 50% of retaining. So when I was, um, I'm, I've got about 13, 13 things I'm going to discuss here quickly. Um, at eight years old, my first pony my mom bought me. My mom was my first one who got me addicted and the pony she bought me was a Welsh pony Candida and she knew all the timed events. She was phenomenal. She gave me so much confidence. She won me tons of blue ribbons and bags of feed and trophies and all that stuff and barrels and poles and all the game events. And um, she gave me tons of confidence. But then uh, Snowdoll came along. My mom bought a three-year-old POA and I quickly figured out I knew nothing. She knew nothing. And that's when my mom got me hooked up with a, a, my first lessons came from uh, Bill's Cutters owner, and he just gave me some few basics. But then Martha Roper in Norfolk, California, where I grew up, uh, taught me the importance of circles and the purpose of circles. So from, I think, 10 to 12 years old, I took lessons with her with Candida, my Welsh pony, um, and I learned a lot. But then as I got older, I'd say in the 90s, once I got married and moved to Colorado and I wanted to start my own horse training business, and I started training... I wanted to train 1D, 2D barrel horses. I started training Cali for the barrels. Um, I went to clinics and lessons and read books. And I, I loved Monty Roberts' book about join up. And I watched a lot of his videos. Um, uh, taught me a lot about herd dynamics and um, trust and respect with horses and body language. I really enjoyed that one. Um, the next one was John Lyons. I went to a John Lyons clinic. He taught me about like a full cheek snaffle. And having where you could use one rein to move, have connection to one foot 
and any anywhere that you move that foot you can do it with just one rain connection and and it really made me be aware of hoof placement through rain cues and um and I do that a lot with riders now with their legs I'll say you know use your right leg by the front sense to move the left front one step or whatever and and we do it with reins too and and all those things really can um help you uh really get more connected to your horse and you you visualize it and then you apply the cue and you feel the correct answer and it's just a really neat thing um buck branaham was another book i read that i truly enjoyed um he's where i got the saying a bit more knowledge when people are asking what bit will fix this problem, I always say a bit more knowledge because I read that in his book and it just stuck with me. He was really into the, the horsemanship way, not the cowboy way, not bucking a horse out, no gimmicks, you know, to fix horses. So I like that. Um, Tom Dorrance was probably one of my favorite books. Um, Foundation uh, was a key horse language. Um, the horse is the greatest teacher you will ever uh, have and to really study horses watch how they are in the pasture watch how they respond to things with riders um, I even read some Indian books which I really liked and the connection that Native Americans had with horses and no bits or saddles and and doing that while hunting or or in war and such and um, I just loved anything and everything Equus so if there was a video I was watching it if there was a book I was reading it and for those of you that feel like you just can't get inspired, that's what I recommend. Get cozy with a book. Watch a video. Listen to a podcast. I know everybody's busy, so nowadays they just listen to podcasts while they're doing things. So, And that's fine, too. You can learn like you're doing now and listening to those. But in the 90s, um, the private lessons I went to and the clinics that I went to that uh, I picked up something. I picked up anything from one to three or four things from each person I met. Uh, in the early 90s, I went to a Martha Josie clinic. Um, they had a jackpot at the beginning, a jackpot in the end, and, a, and she gave out cool awards. I got second place and got a nice head stall on Cali. And I liked uh, things I picked up from her was only think about two things in the alleyway. You guys have heard me say that many times. Um, I took that away from her clinic in the early 90s that I loved when you're going to the alleyway because overthinking will get you in trouble. So focusing on just one or two things is so important. Also, she used to preach the value of circles, which I knew that as a kid from Martha Roper, but Martha Josie said a minimum of 25 both directions every ride was important. Not all loping, mind you, at a walk, a trot, etc. And then another cute thing she would say that I loved was, uh, all go and no woe is no fun. And I 100% agree with that because I've always had horses that could ride in light bridles because I put a ton of rate in my horses. They desired to slow down and turn a barrel. And that's taught through foundation and how you pattern a horse. People that have horses that don't rate barrels probably skipped a lot of steps and didn't put enough time on the, on the front end and are always having problems on the back end. So keep that in mind as well. Kelly Yates was probably one of the funnest um, private lessons I went to. Um, Kelly Yates is very intense. She had Firewater Fiesta and she's a, a gritty cowgirl and boy, she's pretty hardcore. I thought I had vertical face flexion, but not near what she wanted. Um, her horses are broke, broke, and she wants them to rate and turn all at spot one, which is pretty dang hard for most horses. So now mind you, in reality, when she's running, they are rating one stride before the barrel, but she would teach it 
to rate and turn at spot one. So she made the horses really be responsible for that themselves. Um, uh, she also taught me the value of saddle fit and how you need to change your saddles based on when your horses are growing or filling out or getting more muscles. And that was important back in the early 90s. I used to ride treat saddles. I had Sharon Camarillo saddles. Um, that was another good book. I like Sharon Camarillo taught me about stepping in that outside stirrup and the value of that. That was really important. Um, let's see here. Ed Wright um, was another clinic I really enjoyed. Um, things I learned from him was to slow things down when, when issues arise, and I've used it my whole career. Um, prepare for events um, before you go there. So let's say you know you're going to Pendleton, Pendleton and it's like 20, what is it, 28, 31 second run. Go put your barrels way out in the pasture and practice that. Or if you know you're going to the NFR and it's a 12 second pattern, 13 second pattern, set up a little pattern because your timing's going to change. Everything's going to change. So prepare for that event, especially if it's big money on the line. So I like that. He taught me that. Um, and uh, let's see here. Foundation before the barrels. That was really key push from him as well. So let's see. The next was Carol Ellis. Love Carol Ellis. She's still on Facebook and always posting funny stuff. I still watch her and she cracks me up. But she used to have some fun clinics and she would teach me because in Colorado, we rode indoors for a few months and we rode outdoors for a few months. And um, some people would have horses that were excellent, you know, just more of a free runner indoors and, and then have maybe their push horse outdoors. And some people were lucky enough to have a horse that could do both. Um, but she taught me the value of the wall-to-wall -wall drill, or I call it fence-to-fence -fence drill. And I'm sure you guys have seen that. And uh, she also taught me the chain mouthpiece was really good for those nervous type horses. And so those are two things I'll always remember from her. Uh, Marlene Edelman, who also been to the NFR, um, she really taught me how important your legs are as far as not letting them get behind you in a run. A lot of people, when they kick, they let their legs get in the back cinch instead of keeping them even with your hips when you ride um also she taught me about dressing up I won the best dressed award at her clinic um because she said if you feel good you do good you know and and so um getting you know dressed up and feeling confident you know that's something that she really believed in uh Kelly Conrado uh, that's Ivy Hurst's dad um I actually babysat his three kids for a weekend for him and his wife to go have a couple's weekend and I think I was pregnant with Dalton back then. It was a long time ago. Um, he's 26 now, so a long time ago. Uh, and there were, let's see, um, uh, Chase, uh, or excuse me, Chance Conrado, who does the podcast now. And then there was Ivy and Paige. I think Paige does that super dewormer. And then Ivy went to the NFR with the Yellow Horse. But um, they were just little babies, little, little kids when I watched them. And anyways, um, when I go to private lessons with him, uh, he taught me a big circle, small circle drill that I still use to this day. I love it. Um, he also taught me the up-down drill. Um, and I believe he learned that from a fraternity trainer out here. I'm trying to think of her name right now. Of course, I'm going to draw a blank. Um, but um, the up-down drill is so important for reaching with the shoulders and pushing with the hips, all working from your body. And that's something I have a video on that in, in the group as well. Um, he also taught me when you're working the barrel pattern to lope around the barrels twice, really make them horses work for it. Um, you know, and you have to have a broke, broke horse to do that, by the way. But we used to do that a lot in the private lessons. And the other thing I'd go with some of my girlfriends and, and he would always say that I was 
he would compliment me and say that I stayed out of my horse's way. I never got in their way. I was um, good at that. But he would scream at a lot of the other horses, get off their head, get off their head. <laughs> and um, I remember that a lot. So um, that's why I'm constantly reminding people to stay off their horse's head because it really slows you down going into those turns or around those barrels. And pulling does never get you a faster time and it doesn't get you a better barrel run on a horse. So he really taught me the values of where you look and using your body and your legs um, and just staying out of their way, letting them work, trusting them, staying off their heads. Um, let's see here. Christy Peterson was another fun clinic um, in Colorado. She was really, uh, it pushed how when you run in rodeo ground, it's a lot of trash ground. It's not a lot of like you get the super show ground. And uh, the value of staying two hands and standing those horses up, not going to the horn too early where they get laying down and and uh, more curvy around because they can, you know, slip or lose their footing. Um, the other thing was uh, she does ride, really drives a lot with her legs through the entire turn and opposite of what most people would do. She would use her inside leg in the back cinch going around the barrel because Bozo was so collected. So, you know, she would say, don't tell people I taught you to get your horse's butt swinging around the barrel. But he was so collected, more rollbacky. So to keep him moving, she would use her inside leg in the back cinch to keep him four-wheel drive. So if you have your rollback or stiff type horses, that's often a good thing to try to keep using that inside leg from spot one, two, and three around a barrel to keep that horse moving. Um, and then she would use her... Uh, outside leg by the front cinch so uh leading of course because that squares a horse up so um so so that is a little bit different most people would do the opposite around a barrel they'd have their inside leg by the front cinch outside leg by the back cinch but in her case she was trying to keep him moving so inside leg by the back cinch um so her scissor legs were kind of opposite and then she'd use her uh, outside leg by the front cinch which isn't that unusual to straighten the shoulders out leaving but her scissor legs were reversed from what a lot of people would go into a turn like um let's see here and that was just mainly to keep them moving and then when i moved to florida uh, we lived in louisiana for one year i moved um from colorado 99 to so 2000 in louisiana and Clinton Anderson had just started doing clinics and they were free back then. And he would sell his halters and books and videos and DVDs, all that stuff. And um, his uh, whips and all that stuff. And I remember going to his clinic and I loved his lunging for respect um, that he did on the ground. I also loved his colt starting series. And I began to use that on every colt I ever trained after that. Probably a hundred colts. And I loved his colt starting series. Um, I also liked his uh, wiggle wave whack. I just found that funny. But it would also keep you, you know, when you're trying to get your horse out of your space to think wiggle, then wave, then whack. And just kind of that three-step rule. Um, ask, ask, take. You know, pass the salt, pass the salt. Give me the freaking salt. Kind of, you know, increasing the pressure. So um, so I thought that was cool. And then I, after that, I moved to Florida um, and started my business over again for the third time. Um, you know, I did train horses in Louisiana for the short year that I was there and competed in MBHA and such with Callie. And that's where I found Belle and Buddy. And um, Belle came from Texas and Buddy came from Louisiana. And then uh, we moved to Florida and I've been here for, what, 22 years? Something like that. I guess 22 years. And um, so anyhow, 
um, Charmaine James was the only clinic that I actually paid to go to since I've been here. And, um, that was in 2002, maybe end of two or start of three. And, um, I really, um, wanted to see her clinic just because being a California girl, I saw her in uh, Scamper Win for many years, but she really never shared a lot. She was very quiet. So I was curious and I went with a couple of my clients and one of them, uh, uh, you know, I won't go into that because it's a side story. So, but I'll stay focused here and <laughs> I could tell you tons of stories, but anyways, um, let's see here. So the biggest thing I learned from her was how important your equine dentist is. Um, I had only lived here a couple of years and I was going up strictly off referral for everything, vets, farriers, it's hard starting over. And, uh, the dentist I was using was my vet who kept saying he was educated, further education, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my mare bell kept popping up a little bit on the backside of that third barrel. And I just could not figure out why, because I'd stay off her head, but she'd still pop. Well, sure enough, Randy Redinger, Charmaine's dentist, worked on her while I was there. And then she never popped up again. So he got a hook that the other guy had left. And it made all the difference in the world in the very back tooth. So, um, so that taught me a lot. And also she taught me about walking the pattern without helping your horse. And see what they do. Um, so no hands, no legs, just using your eyes and your body to walk the pattern. And your horse will go where they think they're educated to go. So a lot of them would show you what size pocket they wanted. And some, if you help them too much, they weren't finishing barrels. Or maybe they were drifting off to no man's land if they weren't very well patterned. Um, that kind of thing. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, but overall, the clinic just wasn't... I wasn't thrilled with the clinic because she wasn't explaining things well. But again... It was like your first clinic ever. But then she came out with her book and I fell in love with her book. Her book was everything I wanted her to explain to me while I was at the clinic. Her clinic as well had a, a run at the beginning and a run at the end. I think it was like $550 for two days, but you checked in Friday night and it was all day Saturday, all day Sunday. So Saturday morning we made a run. I took second place. I want to say she had 20 some horses there. Might've been closer to 30. It was a lot. And, um, and she had like one helper, um, another blonde lady I forgot her name but and then on the last day they had a jackpot again and I took second place again and the only thing she really told me was to be smooth and and I knew what she was saying because Belle's really intense so you have to be very quiet on her but Belle also is very wants to turn a barrel so sometimes you have to be assertive to get around the barrel so I think she was wanting me to be smooth but assertive and anyways it was she didn't explain it that well that day but when her book came out um it was awesome because her book, like I would ask her, where do you set them up at? You know, where's your position for rate? Where do you turn? Blah, blah, blah. And she was like, well, right here. And I wasn't quite grasping it. And then her book came out with the five access points. And I thought that was awesome. Her transition area. And then it was all making sense. And I've heard her clinics are awesome now because she can break it all down for people. So, but she did sit on my mare and rode my mare and she looked awesome on her, by the way. Um, so those are things that I think you learn over time. Like I look at back at my first clinics compared to my clinics now. Of course, I've improved because it's, you know, like 20 years of clinics. So, so um, you know, you get better the more you do something. Um, you better explaining what you do. A lot of people can do it, but they can't explain it. Um, so that's important. Um, so and then the final thing that I will share with you is the 1800 horses that I've ridden or helped. Um, through training horses, through coaching, lessons, clinics. Um, that's the education of lifetime because every horse is unique. Every horse and rider combination is unique. Um, 
you know, some horses are more go, some are more woe, some are stiff, some are bendy, some are four-wheel drive, some are rollback, some are very sensitive, others are very dull, some are pushy, some are quirky, some are laid back, some are a combination of that. Um, I also found that um, when I first moved here, FloridaBarrelHorse.com and Florida Equine Athlete uh, was letting me write articles for them. I was doing Barrel Racer Bayou's. And Tina's training tips every month in both of those um, magazines or websites. And um, it was the ability to go ahead and meet people in Florida and also find out I was actually doing things very similar to everybody else that was out there winning. So that was a good educational thing as well. And um, so I thought that was awesome. But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing uh, is just the time. The more horses you get to ride, the more you put yourself in those situations to learn. You don't have to take everything that someone tells you. You can just take what works for you and apply it to your program. And then what doesn't, you don't have to. I wouldn't go to clinics for people that maybe I didn't respect the way they treated horses or, um, you know, things like that. Um, but I would I would definitely go to, you know, different levels, whether it be a futurity or a pro rodeo or a super show Um you know, some people are better jockeys, some people are better trainers, some people are better, um, you know, explaining things, clinicians, um, everybody has their niche, their gift, and I think that um, the thing is, is the horse, horses and horsemanship is just literally a lifetime education, you'll always be learning, and my business plan, my business model, uh, ride with heart, and being your personal best, um, it was based on love and trust and respect and communication of cues. Um, it had to be that the horse couldn't get hurt. I couldn't get hurt. It had to be I was setting them up for yes answers. And I was teaching them on a grade level that they could handle, whether it be kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, on up to high school, college, etc. But it was also, I didn't care if you had a $1,000 Arab or a $100,000 Dash to Fame. I wanted to help you be your personal best. And, um, and I really do feel like Horses are the best teachers, but when you're learning, you need um, you need horsemen to teach you how to be with horses. So that's why reading those books and learning um, how to study horses and their behaviors and, and how to communicate with them. Everything that I did over the last 30 years has brought me where I am now. And it's still um, always working to improve myself being a better at cl clinics, being better at um, virtual coaching, all of those things. Um, in lessons, some people learn a different way. You know, some people need it said in a different way. Uh, the, all of those things come into play. So, so anyways, I just wanted to share a little bit about my life and people that touched my life along the way. And I'm grateful for every single one of those horse people. I, as I started talking, I even left out more, um, that were helpful for me over the years and, and maybe I'll write down those ones and talk about them on the next podcast but those are the main ones that came to me quickly and I just want to just thank all of you for letting you be letting me be a part of your journey and I also want to thank anyone who refers a friend or gives me a Facebook shout out because my business is website uh, my website is word of mouth um, referrals all of that for my coaching and all of that. So thank you guys. Um, 
I also want to mention that, that I'm probably going to change the prices for when I get to the third year or 150 members, not to you guys that are a part of the group. So if you're just listening to the podcast and you haven't joined yet, join before we get to the 150 members or the three-year mark, August of 2023. I'm going to go up to $200 a year or $20 a month for new members. When I first started it, the very first year was only $10 a month and $100 a year. That only included one video a week. But as a loyalty to people who stayed with me and haven't left, I left their price alone. And then at the anniversary of the first year, I moved the prices to $15 a month and $150 a year. That would include two videos a week or eight a month for those of them that had multiple horses or went to super shows. Um etc. But I think once the goal, the group gets to 150, that's a really solid number for me. And if it consistently stays there, all new members past the three-year mark will go to $20 a month and $200 a year because there's so much value to the group, not just the video reviews, but the challenges, the training videos. And now I'm getting my hip surgery. I'm excited about that. I'll be able to do more videos for you um, on my horses and have a lot more fresh new content so it's just going to get better and better. So I'm looking forward to riding again and being able to use my horses and clinics lessons and also for the virtual coaching. So I want to go ahead and close now. Um, if everyone would just say a little prayer for me for Tuesday, I'd greatly appreciate that. And um, I'm going to probably be on pain medicine from, you know, Wednesday to Friday. So I'm sure I'll start doing video reviews by Saturday or Sunday. I don't want to do your video reviews while I'm a little loopy. That may not turn out well. So, um, so just say a little prayer for me on Tuesday. I'd greatly appreciate it. And thank you for your patience. I'll review videos for the weekend, um, by next weekend. I'm trying to get all the videos from this weekend done by Monday. So, and that's why I'm doing the podcast early as well. So from Tuesday to Friday, I'll be a little out of commission, but, um, I want to close by saying, always love your horses. Like that little girl you once were Two, it should always be you versus you. Focus on your own self-improvement. You're not competing against anyone else. And then three, Matthew 17, 20. For truly I say to you, if you have the faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to your mountain in front of you, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing is impossible. So with that, I will leave you to be positive to give thanks and to pray about everything. God bless everybody. And as always, ride with heart.